Good evening and welcome to the Working Tools Podcast. Tonight, we'll be discussing membership, retention, and engagement with Veriworks brother, Zane McCune. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Welcome back to the Working Tools Podcast. I'm David Colbeth. I'm a Master Mason here in the Grand Lodge of Washington. And we have two of our other regular hosts, Worship Brother Steve Chung and Worship Brother Jared Dunham, both from the Grand Lodge of British Columbia, Yukon. Uh, we're missing our third regular host, Matt Apple, tonight. He's again with family, and we think of him and his family in these times. But again, we're joined this evening again by very worshipful Zane McCune. He was with us. Uh, in a multi-part series on membership retention and engagement recently, and we're now into part three. Maybe we'll have a part four. I don't know. We'll see how this one goes. Uh, we went down the rabbit hole of membership and retention pretty heavily. Tonight, we're going to try and focus on retention and engagement and kind of the experience that a lodge can provide to a new guy. So what, what would you recommend, Robert Zane, on what a lodge could do for that retention and engagement piece for a new Mason? Well, sure. Thanks for having me back on the show. And uh, you were you were saying this is part of a, a, a multi-show engagement. And I was just chuckling to myself thinking, hard to have me on the show, not have it be a multi-show <laughs> engagement. <laughs> talk and talk and talk. But uh, it's a good question. And I appreciate you asking. In the last couple of shows, we talked about what lodges have been have been, been dealing with um, and sort of what to do. And, and, re- and the focus being that retention would be the you know, the solution to, um, to a lot of what lodges are experiencing. Um, and through that um, retention, or I guess uh, sort of the pathway to retention from my experience has been to really focus on creating a quality experience um, in a lodge. And so everything that you do is filtered through the lens of, uh, of quality. And uh, one of the one of the books that was instrumental to our lodge in this endeavor uh, was a book by Andrew Hammer called "Observing the Craft: The Pursuit of Excellence." And uh, there were some other books and some other key people that that helped our lodge kind of shift into a different direction. But it all started when several of us read "Observing the Craft." So I'll just I, I can you know there were eight steps to that. I'd love to talk about those eight steps. Curious if uh, if uh, uh, David or Stephen or Jared, if you are familiar with that book or had had met Andrew or uh, just if you had, had any initial thoughts on on that. Um, well, I've actually read it multiple times. I think okay. I read it every year or so. Right. Um, I picked I picked it up because when I I went back to lodge uh, about six years ago I joined a lodge that was failing and the first thing I did was start picking up books to try and help figure out a way to make the lodge succeed and that one has been like observing the craft has probably been the one that has influenced me the most. Yeah. 
Yep, I've read it more than I've read it more than once. I've had the I've had the privilege of of meeting Andrew several times, of having group discussion with him. I've had some one-on-one -on -one discussion with him as well, and it's always a real treat. Um, so if if you haven't, if you, I would say first of all, if you haven't, you know, to the to the listeners, if you haven't picked up that book, and it's not very expensive. This is not a history book or an esoteric discussion by any stretch of the imagination, and um, I would call it more of like a call to arms. Like here's how here's here's the rescue plan. Um, like, a how, like a manifesto. Well, I kind of almost like a manifesto. Yeah, exactly. So he he gets into these uh, into these uh, eight steps. I would say that um, in our experience in our lodge, we've probably got uh, one or two more that we really added to that. So so maybe ten. It'll be really difficult to get through all of these in a single session, but we'll um, we'll plow through. I'll just say maybe at the beginning of the show here, here, here are what the eight are. Um, and they are uh, guarding the West Gate, uh, a focus on lodge proficiency and ritual, uh, and, a, and a, an intentional advancement through the degrees, progression in the officer line through merit. Um, and then the back four are attire and lodge. We added a, a, our lodge implements, but sort of the the accoutrements of the lodge. Uh, six is the idea of paying for quality and stepping up in that endeavor. Seven is creating a contemplative atmosphere. And eight uh, is Masonic education at every meeting, um, which is really kind of the, I think the secret recipe to every good Masonic meeting. So those are the eight that, you know, if we if we want to dive into any any of those, or if we want to try to tackle those in order, or kind of what our lodge did, uh, I'm I'm game for any or all. Well, and the one of the other shows we talked about how to make sure that your lodge focuses on what it wants to focus on, its culture, or whatever, and we brushed on the idea of the standing rules concept, or how can you ensure that a lodge does that? And so, have you? place these eight elements basically in your standing rules or is it something how do how do and maybe we can get into it later too once we cover them but how would a lodge ensure that w what it wants to be done is done uh so to some extent yeah we have we have incorporated some of these into our bylaws um not necessarily as as a standing rule although number eight we did Masonic education every meeting. We did add that as a standing rule that the worshipful master in our lodge is required to either provide or uh, coordinate Masonic education at every meeting, um, which seems like a an obvious <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, why would you have to put that into your bylaw? Um, but when you have a content-free meeting and uh, you have several in a row and and they get kind uh, of boring, you you know, it's... It, 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 it can have an impact to the lodge. Do you, do you guys not have like a director of education that does an education piece at each meeting? Well, not an officer role called the director of education. Um, oh. I think that's a, that's a, you know, interestingly, I think that is a, uh, a great idea to have somebody coordinate that, whether they give it or whether they coordinate it with, you know, neighboring group or neighboring Mason or bringing in a guest speaker. I guess that's in our lodge. That's been, that's the, uh, I would kind of say the interpretation of just set the craft to work and give them good and wholesome instruction. That's what, that's what we charge the worshipful master to do. We've just gone the extra 
a step of adding that to our our lodge bylaws in a standing resolution. Um, it's a oh, little bit yeah. of extra teeth to say if you don't provide Masonic education, you're violating your bylaws. So um, don't do that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I I like the idea of having it in the bylaws. So um, we we task our worshipful masters with the same thing, but he has a director of education that he can uh, you know direct to give us education at each meeting. Yeah. And um, I guess it's that important they made an office for it. And, well, and that guy's job is solely to focus on having education ready uh, to present uh, at the request of the Worshipful Master. Yeah. yeah. I would say I know in the title we talked about retention and engagement, and, and it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg uh, remark, I think, to some extent, because um, you will get retention from engaged Masons, they will stay, I guess. If you have engaged Masons, they are sticking around. So that is retention. But how do you get engaged Masons? Uh, and that, I think, comes from creating a quality Masonic experience. And one of the ways that you can get brothers to engage is to take ownership of that. Uh, well, first of all, all of these eight steps, but within the context of Masonic education, rather than in our lease in our lodge, um, have, rather than having one person always be the education officer, it's how do we get brothers in the lodge to step up and provide some kind of Masonic education? And if that doesn't fit all of our meetings, how do we essentially bring in Masonic education? And our lodge has always been committed to paying for uh, uh, outside speakers. We'll fly them in and not only present to the lodge, but we'll invite the whole district to come. And we've We've had Andrew Hammer come in and we've had a, a number of other uh, brothers from, from all over the country and locally too. Um, the Philalethe Society has a chapter uh, down in Portland. And so, you know, that's a three hour drive away from Seattle. And we've had, we've had several of their speakers come up in a group context to do a whole, a whole thing. So, so that's the worst master's job within the context of that eighth step is to coordinate the education, whether he delivers it himself, has a brother in the lodge who gives it, or we, bring somebody from outside to speak masonic education is always very prevalent in our in our um, masonic meetings before we dive into these in too much detail in your discussions with andrew or in your experience are they in any particular order was there a design to the order or was it just kind of here's how it makes sense in a printed format or in a yeah in a, in a readable really, format good question no there isn't any particular order uh and you know, what he has said and what I would echo is that there isn't a prescribed way to apply each one of these steps. You do what works best for your lodge, but tackle these topics within your lodge. So, um, you know, one of the things might be uh, attire and, and lodge, other lodge accoutrements. So attire, you know, does that have to be tuxedos? You know, our, we're a tuxedo lodge, but not every lodge is a tuxedo lodge. So that's okay. You know what his point of of attire is that it it's it's worth uh, endeavoring a lodge to have a like a common look of the lodge. So if officers all wear the same shirt or all wear the same tie, you know the you're indicating that you're part of the team. It's the same reason that sports teams all wear the same jersey. They're part of the team, and so. Uh, as Masons in a lodge, um, you know, we can, we can create that same bond between the brothers in the lodge as well. It doesn't have to be a tuxedo, 
what's works for your lodge might be different than another lodge. But the idea is that attire is addressed as a, as a topic. I think, I think actually attire is actually addressed in our constitution and regulations up here. Is it's, it? it's not, it's not a, it, it's not a gray um, area. Like it's, I believe it specifically says that it's dark suit and tie. You know, and, and officers are supposed to dress. I, uh, I'm trying because I'm trying to remember if it's actually in our constitutions or if it's just the many bylaws that I've read. Where's Trevor when we need him? Right. <laughs> well, no, no, I know. I know that our bylaws say that it, it, it suits. It, you know, we we you know anything less is not acceptable. I know our lodge well, officers' handbook references that. Our lodge officers' handbook references, but as far it's as I can tell, qualified. our our lodge is lodge officers' handbook is not a code. So sure, it's 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 um. But, you know, the other thing that goes along with, uh, uh, you know, attire besides just, you know, dark suits and dark ties. So another thing we did on the um, just as a way to kind of, you know, our lodge does it is on the when we do a third degree, uh, we have all of our brothers wear white aprons and white gloves for the whole meeting. Um, nobody wears their uh, their uh, adorned uh, aprons. Uh, past master's apron or, or otherwise we all we all wear white and uh there is something kind of cool to that really classic look and on a third degree conferral when you've got you know 20 brothers all you know very much uniform in their dark suits and white gloves and white aprons it's 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 really sharp um there, so. there's, there's a show in there a question about the officers not wearing their officer apron but maybe that's a different show <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's, he's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing this, his, his, his uh, apron that he was, uh, that, that he was uh, uh, initiated with. So, I... and it still has square corners. <laughs> so, um, you know, but uh, the rest, so, so some of these are, are, are some of these eight items are uh, kind of form and maybe some of them are substance. And so the combined effort uh, is what is necessary. Um, well, and to... if, if you were to, yeah, if you were to think about, if you said, oh yeah, they are in order. Well, guarding the West Gate is important, but if you're not prepared, having quality education, having a standard of dress, having all those th- excellent ritual, having those things in place so that when a new guy comes in, he has a great experience. You've kind of failed all over the place. You can guard the West Gate all day, but if they're other these other seven pieces aren't in place yep and and no that's a fair point as well you know one of the comments i get when i because i teach every year at lodge leadership retreat uh invariably like in any of the classes or after the classes guys come up to me and say we're we're super excited we've got a, a couple of new guys in the lodge and everybody is just very very excited you know but what do we do i mean they're really i know that sounds uh you know like kind of a striking question, but it's like, they're, they're so excited, but what is the, what is the first step? And I don't know that I have like, well, here is the absolute first step you should take other than I really think everybody in your lodge should read observing the craft. Um, But, uh, but, but maybe even more uh, tactical uh, uh, about guarding the West gate is another, you know, another point, like here's what our lodge did in in guarding the West gate. So specifically what we did. Um, So, implemented the six steps, which I'm sure there's a whole show somewhere in this catalog about the six steps, but the whole point of that is to get to know a candidate or to get to know a, a, 
potential candidate before he petitions the lodge. But, but um, uh, uh, even so, just uh, making sure that we have um, given him plenty of time to get to know us and we, we get to know him, but more so ask him what he is looking for in Freemasonry. Uh, and we're very upfront about what kind of lodge we are. Our lodge is focused on Masonic education, uh, philosophical discussion. Yes, we have charitable endeavors. Yes, we have fun out on, you know, brotherhood events. Um, but our lodge is, you know, very focused on education and ritual. Um, and if that's not of interest to him, let's find a lodge that is nearby that, you know, he, maybe he's much more into, you know, charitable work and ours is, you know, we have some charitable work, but that's not the main, uh, emphasis of our lodge. And so if that's something that he's really passionate about, might, might, maybe in our lodge is not a right fit. And so we'll help him find another lodge. I guess the idea is let's, let's match up brother, uh, potential Masons with lodges of, that are going to be of interest to him and where he will succeed. And so that's part of guarding the West Gate is also just making sure that we're, we're participating in that, in that, in that dialogue. And we know the other lodges in the area that are also, you know, having those same conversations. And I think we all benefit if we were to all have that, uh, that, uh, that conversation. So that we kind of log, log that into guarding the West Gate. And if you look at what the traditional approach that talks about the six steps, the traditional approach is that you know somebody from work or from, <clears throat> from your social activities or a neighbor or some, some friend of yours you've known, you've already had the chance to get to know that man. And so you might recommend him, but you might think, oh yeah, he wants to be part of this. He, he likes, he's more into bowling, right? And so <laughs> this, this lodge over here really likes to bowl every Sunday. And so wouldn't you automatically say, hey, you should probably talk to Sam over here on the, the bowling lodge <laughs> because yeah. you probably get along with him. really. Like, oh, here, let's go bowling with Sam and his lodge and hang out. Yeah. And, and he probably would petition there because they're the bowling guys. And so I mean, to some extent, that's the term, that's affinity, right? And there yeah, are some lodges yeah. that are, are seeing success in having kind of that affinity model, whether whatever you kind of, you know, fill in, fill in the blank. I had a guy approach me one time and he said, I really want to be a Shriner. And I said, you know what? I think that's fantastic. Not one brother in our lodge is a Shriner. And you, you should join this lodge 15 minutes away where half the guys in there are Shriners and the worstful master is, you know, currently the potentate. Like you should be in that lodge. That's, that's, you know, that's where you should be. And we direct him over there and you join that lodge. And, you know, it's, we didn't have this like, oh, we need to have him in our lodge because we need to pump up our numbers. And that's all what it's all about. We're trying to find the right home for the right, for the right Mason or for the right potential Mason. Do you um, have, have you turned any of these into questions that, when you say, when you give it to a person at your lodge leadership retreat and they ask, what should we do next? It, it, do you have a series of questions that a lodge could use with each of these things to say, here's what uh, a, a question that we contemplated for the lodge and the officers to answer, to solve that guarding the West gate for them. Other, yeah. than, other than six steps. I mean, it's just, it's just say basically follow the six steps. Yeah, no, I, actually that's a, that's a great suggestion. And, We've talked about that in the lodge leadership. I brought that up with the chairman of the lodge leadership retreat, uh, Jeremy Yielding. And to some extent, we have those kinds of questions in a new class that we're going to teach it at the, at the retreat. Um, um, 
uh, this in 2022. So hopefully in person. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a, it's um, another thing that we've done in our lodge is, is in, in addition to filling up petition and everything kind of goes along with that, we have a, a charge called the ways of virtue and it's not something that's used in the Washington jurisdiction. So uh, it's not part of our Masonic body, but we provide it to like a potential candidate. We have him read it and we have him write a written response about what he, he, his response to this charge. And he doesn't really know what it, uh, what a Masonic charge is yet, but he, he just gets this, you know, uh, eight paragraph thing and he reads it and he's supposed to respond to it. And so we read his response in lodge when we read his petition as well. So we give the brothers and everybody's had a chance to meet him anyway. So just another, another part of our, him getting to know us. And if he's not willing to write a response and kind of dive into something, and that is to some extent him reflecting his, his disposition about, um, learning new things or contemplating things. If he's not willing to do that, he's not gonna be a good fit for our lodge. So we're not trying to like keep brothers out necessarily with that. We wanna hear what they want, you know, to say about it. But in some extent, it's another, a little, another filter, soft filter. Well, that's a good point. And kind of a segue into the next element, the proficiency in Masonic ritual and law and that you want them to, to be able to be interested in what ritual is about, right? Not just the rote memorization, although that's a piece of the six steps is that we, we want the inquirers to do some memorization for, for several reasons, right? One, to just see, can they do it? Can they memorize something? Do they have the commitment yeah. to do it? <laughs> do they have the, yeah. the, the stick-to-itiveness, if you will? And are they internalizing it? All, all really good points. Andrew Hammer's point of having this step in the book, though, is more about it's more of a it's more of a charge for the younger guys that are coming into the lodge and it's the idea that okay well uh you can if you're if you're if you have the audacity to complain about the way things are run in the lodge then what you really need to do is step up and be proficient in the work and become an officer and as you go through the officer line change the lodge and if you're not willing to do that labor, then you have no business complaining about the way that the lodge is being run. Um, and the whole point of that is to step up and and learn ritual. Hashtag lean uh, in. Hashtag lean in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, our lodge has kind of taken this and 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 further further uh, refined it to to really be this idea of grooming a new generation of ritualists and our our observation has been that that the that the that the older brothers not just in our lodge but in our district in our jurisdiction have been doing some heavy lifting for a very 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 long time and it's time to uh share the burden and and pick up pick up that weight and 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 walk with it and that's a great way to uh appreciate what they've done to keep things moving along in the craft while it's kind of gone through this ebb and hopefully back to a flow. But rather than letting them continue to carry the heavy load, it's up to us, this new generation of ritualists to carry that, that heavy load. So we have this development program in our lodge that um, is essentially, you know, starting off 
not, it's not a passive, what ritual parts would you like to learn? It's here's the ritual parts that we would like you to learn. And here's the somewhat of an order that we want you to learn them in. And as they're going through the degrees, we want you to learn the entire posting lecture. There's nothing as short about that. It's, it's everything. And, and oh, by the way, after you finish learning the entire posting lecture for all three degrees, you're, you're going to be really close to being able to confer a degree when you're a senior deacon or a junior warden. Um, you're, you're almost going to be right there. But even in between becoming a master mason and becoming an officer, there's still this development program. So the idea is to start out with the smaller parts, but then as they, you know, fill and complete those smaller parts, prep them, give them enough time to learn the next bigger part up and the next bigger part up. And the idea behind that is to, is to coach the brothers on the next step that they need to take, not put it into their hands. Cause a lot of times they don't know. An example would be, all right, great. So you just finished uh, giving the working tools in the enter apprentice degree. Um, and maybe without any direction, uh, you know, you, somebody might say, well, what would you like to do next? I, I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable with the working tools. Can I do that again? <laughs> yeah. So in our lodge, that dialogue doesn't even happen. We don't even give them that choice. It's not even a, a, a line of questioning. It's like, okay, great. We'd like you to learn the apron lecture. Well, you probably already learned it when you did your um, proficiency uh, in the, in the, as you were going up through the degrees, but we'll have you learn the preparatory lecture. We'll have you learn uh, the senior deacon part. You know, now you're learning the circumambulation. You're learning, you know, the, you know, the, the floor work of the uh, of the degree, and every step along the way, you know, he's going to learn more and more and more ritual. Um, and we ask our officers to to take on a conferring master role uh, as they're going up through the senior deacon, junior warden, and senior warden chair as well. And so, really, by the time that they ascend through all of those chairs and become worshipful master of our lodge, they have their proficiency in lodge management. They've conferred all three degrees. They've given the posting lecture on all three degrees and they've, they've, I mean, their body of work that they know is, is, is pretty solid. And our goal in all of this was to be able to confer all three degrees using just members of our own lodge, every single part, you know, no exceptions. And um, that came out of a lecture that, that we attended where Andrew Hammer said, you know, it was kind of a, Oh boy, that was a shot across the bow to a lot of us when he said, do you deserve the lodge charter that's in your lodge room? And all of us were like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and he's like, for you to get a charter, and he was speaking to a group, you know, he said, for you to have a charter, you, you had to have 15 master masons who were proficient in all of the work. Do you have 15 master masons that are proficient in the entire work in your lodge? And if the answer is no, then... Then, then the next step is how do we get to be able to answer that question is yes, I guess. That's, is a, the, that's the exactly point. where the requirement for dispensation came from. <clears throat> I, I would like to write a resolution that our lodges should re be required to redispensate every five to 10 years. I know a lot of jurisdictions have a inspection. You guys have inspection season in Canada, don't you? Or the every, um, I mean, I'm sorry. So the, some East Coast lodges I know have an inspection season every year where they go through and they, the district deputy will go through and, verify that the lodge can perform the work as part of their process. And if they can't, then they go into a uh, down here, yeah. they call it inspection season. Yeah. They, uh, they call it an official visit. <clears throat> and 
uh, at that official visit, he uh, supposedly goes through the books and and whatnot and makes sure that all our stuff is in order. But do they? But do they watch a degree <clears throat> or exemplify um, a degree? Not at an official visit. Okay, that's what that's yeah. this, so. This the exemplification of a degree, or actually conducting a degree, is part of the inspection in these other lodges. And if a lodge, because that's required as part of, like Zane said, as part of your dispensation to receive your charter, you have to do these three or four things. Yeah. So yeah. What we were seeing happen was that lodges would like we, you know, would would struggle to get brothers to fill roles, and you'd see the same people filling the same roles over and over. So they would just look at who, what was the degree team from last month or whatever. And that became the, the degree team for this month. And everybody just kind of rolled over. Well, nobody's learning any new parts. And, you know, that, that in and of itself is, um, uh, that in itself is, is, is also a little challenging because if you're only giving brothers a couple of weeks to learn new parts, that's not really enough time. So how do you distance, uh, how do you distance the degrees long enough for, for brothers to pick up and, and learn new parts and who's courting, who's learning new parts, uh, which really kind of led to number three, which was advancement through the degrees. So I'll pause here for a second. I was just going to say that say, I, I think you're right. Is that it two and three, just like one and two tie together, two and three yeah. tie together specifically. If a guy was willing to advance in his education, learning the parts, he's hopefully going to advance through the degree process as well. Right. Well, let's do we have enough time to hit this uh, I think in this a, session? Yeah, we've got a couple we minutes. Time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, in and so this became a very active topic in our lodge was how do we advance brothers through the degree? And we made this intentional decision to slow the whole process down. And and uh, this was not met without some resistance with some people within the lodge and some multi or uh, uh, and some uh, Coral members within the lodge, they said, uh, no, you can't do that. You got to, people wait, you know, they, they got to, you got to pump them through. And we're like, but they're not learning anything. <laughs> and so, and if it's just, you know, besides having time to learn an entire posting lecture, what are they really learning? And, and I think this is an area that I think you could spend as a lodge a lot of time on um, refining this process, like a continual feedback loop. Like how do you, how do brothers learn about a degree before they advance to the next degree and how long. And so Dave, I know that you've had lots of ideas in, in terms of the further you know, education within, within the craft, but the idea is if you're sitting down and just doing a short order kind of post you know, version of the lecture, maybe just the obligation, not, that is significantly shortchanging the, the new Mason. He's not learning anything other than sort of this rote ritual, which tells him a mode of recognition and, and he doesn't even understand what he's, you know, reciting, um, you know, you know, either. So it's, you know, is he reading any books? Is he presenting in Lodge? Is he uh, taking the, um, you know, uh, what if we change the name to it in our jurisdiction, uh, Dave? Well, that's, I just got off a call for a long range planning committee. So that's a whole, that's going to, but MDP, a, Masonic Development Program. It's going to be. Masonic Development Program. Thank you. I knew we just changed the name of it. Uh, we used to call it the new educate, new candidate education program. But the point of all of that is whatever we call it and whatever it is, the whole point is what is he learning and what is he doing along the way? And, and the question you have to ask is why are you asking this brother to do more than just learning ritual work? It's the whole point of this show, which is retention and engagement. And what brother is going to feel engaged and consequently stay or you retain him 
when he's not really learning anything. It's very exciting to go through all the degrees and the conferrals and the ritual, and it's all very exciting. But what's he really learning along the way? And if he isn't really learning anything, he's going to get to the end of this three-step you know, journey. And he's going to ask himself that question too. And if, and if he's come up wanting on that answer, you know, he's like, well, I just invested a lot of time. What was the point of it? And so this is where you, you as a lodge and as an officer group can spend a lot of time on a feedback, like, what are we doing here? And it, you don't have to have it all perfect. You know, the next conferral, the next candidate, this is, this is a, this is a continual chipping away at the corners of your lodge's rough ashlar if you think about it like that. So, um, you know, our lodge, you know, is still in this. So this is not a done thing in our lodge, but this is an active dialogue within the officer group uh, throughout the year. Excellent. Well, we, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk about <laughs> not barely half of what we really want to get into here tonight. So we've, we've definitely got another segment and, <laughs> You know, the way we talk, maybe another, maybe two more. We'll see. How, but we'll see if we can a, get it all done in the next one. <laughs> at least a part four is coming up. Uh, I do want to just take a minute to say thank you to all of our subscribers. We just uh, last month uh, were to, able to exceed 500 subscribers. And so we want to say thank you to everyone that's listening and watching and all that out on YouTube land. Uh, and we really appreciate it. So on behalf of myself and Stephen and Jared, I want to say thank you to Virtual Zane for this show tonight. And uh, we'll see you on the next show of the Working Tools Podcast. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. Thank you.